0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel and joining me, as always, Garrett Zatlin. How's it going, man?
1: Ben, uh, instead of kind of giving you my intro today, uh, instead of telling all the people about what's going on in my life, because I know they certainly most want to hear about the daily uh, life of Garrett Zatlin, but instead I've got some exciting news, and uh, it's actually on top of the exciting news that we have coming later this month. Ladies and gentlemen, we have partnered with BioSteel, the official hydration partner of the NHL, is now also the official hydration partner of Streamline Athletes, and therefore the Stride Report as well. We have teamed up with one of the best hydration partners out there. They have, uh, you know, hydration mixes. They have protein, both regular and plant-based. The plant-based is what I use. Um, we are so pumped, so excited! Thank you to Streamline Athletes for, uh, you know, helping us establish this partnership. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you go to BioSteel and you want to get some uh, some protein powder, hydration mixes, whatever it may be, uh, you can use code TSR30 at checkout. You'll get 30% off. And I'll say this, I have the plant-based protein stuff. Um, I use it pretty much every day. Um, it's hard to find good plant-based protein. It's probably the best I've ever had. And not only that, but you use TSR code 30, you get 30% off. Um, what was once, uh, you know, what can be an expensive product in some other places is now extremely reasonably priced. Use code TSR30, help us out, support BioSteel. And not only that, you're going to get some great, great product um, as well. So very excited to be partnering with uh, with them.
0: Yeah. I I mean, can't wait to try uh, their hydration mix, which I I just got. Um, Also can't wait to Get all of the all of their uh, different products for my brothers-in-laws who will go through it like there's no tomorrow. And having that discount code is definitely going to make the Christmas budget go a lot further. So super pumped about that. Also super excited about all the new ratings and reviews that we got on Apple and Spotify. We get we're up to forty-five on Apple Podcasts. We got one new rating there and three new ratings on Spotify, bring us up to fifty-two, clearing that fifty. Threshold halfway to a hundred, we're we're starting to work our way back up there.
1: We are, we are. The numbers look good. We're now partner. We're basically at the same level as the NHL, as far as I'm concerned. um And the reviews are looking good. Numbers are good. BioSteel is stepping in. So Ben, we're we're kind of like you know we're kind of. Real professionals at this. Um, this is pretty crazy stuff. How we've evolved over time, but um, very excited. Thank you to everyone who leaves a rating and review. Thank you to everyone who's going to go support BioSteel and support us as well. Um, so we're very excited about that. But Ben, I think we're even more excited to talk about the last few teams in our Division One preseason team rankings today.
0: Yes, the, this is the best of the best. The top six. From the men and women's side, we're going to be talking about this week, and we're going to switch things up a little bit. We're going to start at the top, so looking at those number one teams on both sides, and then seeing, uh, looking at the other teams below them, seeing how they can maybe jump to that number one spot, how they can land on the podium, what they need to improve, um, maybe some of their strengths, some of their weaknesses, um, and we're just going to go through those teams one by one. But we're going to start at the top and. When you think of the top of the NCAA, at least on the men's side, you can only think of one program, and that is the Northern Arizona men. They bring back just a star-studded crew, even after losing, who was going to be TSR number one individually, Abney Nerd, They still bring back so many potential All-Americans, Nico Young, Drew Bosley. They bring in the best freshman, um... In Colin Solomon, they still have George Kusha, they still have Brody Hasty. This team is still loaded, and until anybody shows otherwise, this is going to be the number one team for the
1: year. It is pretty scary. How I don't even know. I think of of their recent dynasty, of their recent stretches of dominance. I don't even know if this is like one of their better teams. I think this is probably in like the the latter half of like if you were to rank their teams throughout the years. Um you know if Abdi Nur was in the mix this would be a little bit different but and yet despite all of that they are still clearly the best team in the country clearly and that's crazy considering how good the other podium or national title contenders and I use that word loosely um it's crazy to think that they're that good and yet NAU is still so much better Abdi Nur creates a little bit more vulnerability though without him Things open up. Depth was, you know, by no means bad. You know, for for Northern Arizona, though, you know, not only do they want to win, they want to dominate. If Nerd doesn't step in uh, like he did last year, uh, Nau is not winning the national title. Things get interesting from that standpoint. So not sure um, how that will affect the team this year. Colin Solomon, we think, is going to be really good. But on the weird chance that he's injured, redshirted, just maybe isn't as good as people think he is, things get a little trickier, but I still I still completely trust this NAU team.
0: Do you think their margin of error is a little bit bigger this year just because of the or is a little bit smaller this year because of that kind of not lack of depth, but you you have five we have five they have five guys within the TSR fifty, and then there isn't a ton of guys behind that that have shown at the NCAA stage to be Real potent scores. Do you do you worry? I mean, is that their one vulnerability really?
1: Um, y- yes, to an extent. I think it's more just because we don't really ever like there's a lot of questions on their back end, right? It's is Colin Salmon going to be the guy like we think he's going to be? So there we think he will, but there's a chance that he's not. Kusha has had um, some up and down performances, great on the grass last year, not good on the on the indoor oval, rebounded in the spring. How does he handle this season? Hasty, very up and down, but always produces well on the national meet. Is that going to happen again? I think so. Ryan Raff, arguably just as talented as some of the other guys in this top five, very inconsistent. Just tr- you know, He has to have his best day more consistently. So there's a few other names like that, right? Like there's names like Corey Gorgas and Caleb Easton and, you know, some like Aiden Barnhill, maybe, or, or uh, a puffer, one of their newer guys, there's a bunch of names. Kang Neok is another one. So you can start going down the list. You have all these different options. Theo Quax is another one, but he's had some injuries on and off. Looked pretty decent last fall, a little bit better this past spring. Is he going to ever return to his 2019 form? So a lot of questions. But even if half those questions break favorably in NU's favor, they should be okay.
0: Should be. And I think we've talked about this with other teams where you just trust this coaching staff. You trust this program. Even if one of those guys uh, that we talked about in the top five aren't lighting the world on fire, you trust that they're going to be able to develop and improve and have at least another, one or two other guys that can step in and fill that role by the end of the season. I mean, they've proven it time and time again, and it would just be stunning to see them, them not be able to do that when it comes to November of this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how they lose. Uh, Let me phrase that. I I know how, how they could lose, but I don't know if there's like a realistic possibility of that scenario happening. Um, Like there has to be a good number of things that break poorly for NAU um, or a, a like far better than expected performance from the other contenders in order for that to happen, um, are they beatable? Yes, I do think they're beatable. I don't think that that they are going to be beaten. Like I just think they're that clear of the favorites.
0: I I agree. I, I think more of what could happen, really in a positive way for other teams is the most realistic scenario. Like I, I just think NAU so consistent. We know they're going to put down a good team score. I think it's just going to be they're going to have to be beaten by just an unbelievable performance. Um and, and who knows, maybe we'll see one of those teams have, uh, have one of those days, but you know exactly what you're going to get from NAU year in year out.
1: Yeah, I think like even if NAU is like 85% at the national meet, another team has to be at like 110% at the national meet, um, and, which is, again, a realistic scenario, but one where if you're the other team, the odds are not favorable for you. So we'll see. Could happen. I'm sure the other contenders are looking at us like, oh, yeah, you think, um, but we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: Absolutely. All right, let's transition to the women's side um, and that, of course, is NC State coming in at the number one spot, looking to repeat as champions after their dominant performance last year. And they bring back such a good lineup. This is just an incredible team. um You obviously have to start with Caitlin Tui, but you got Kelsey Camille. You got uh Al- or is Alexandra Hayes? She's gone. Or is that, is that uh, right? Hayes is gone? Correct. got You got Samantha Bush though. Um, you got incoming transfer talent this is just such a loaded lineup you have so many women who have run under 16 flat fifteen fifty. 50 I mean you talk about NAU running at 85 percent and the rest of the field needing still 110 I, I could see NC State running at like 65 percent and yep. everybody still needing to have the best days of their life to, to snatch the title away from this Wolfpack team.
1: Here's a fun fact. NC State, assuming everyone stays healthy and is running the season, NC State is going to have a sub-1540 runner who's not going to be a scorer. That's insane. You have Tui, you have Camille, you have Starloper, you have Sydney, uh Seymour, you have Savannah Shaw and you have Samantha Bush. Not necessarily in that order, but you have six women who have run under 1540 on your roster. And that's just six women. Like, Sarah Latour was top 10 at J- Joe Piani last year. No one's talking about her. What if she consistently strings that together? Gianna Corso was a 10K national qualifier, 1554 for 5,000 meters. We're not talking about her. Brooke Robert was one of the five or 10 best recruits in the country uh, last year. And uh, she was basically red-shirted, so we don't really know what she could do yet. Um, And there's probably like one other name who I'm just completely blanking on. It is absolutely absurd. I'll say it now. I've never seen any team this deep, uh, at least not on the women's side. Uh, I've never seen a team even remotely this deep ever, and I've done this for about seven years now.
0: I I mean – it's a revolving door uh, of just outstanding names where one or two women could redshirt one or two women could get hurt and that doesn't change our outlook on how uh, on nc state's season because they just like you said have so much talent on this team they I, i mean talk about margin of error i theirs couldn't be any bigger like they they everything could go wrong and they still would be expected to win the ncaa title i it it is truly amazing i i'm really fascinated the thing i'm really looking for for this nc state team isn't if they win the title but i'm just curious to see what their point total can be like how low can they go is this some? is this a team that could score 50 points at the ncaa meet less like i i mean we're we're taught i mean to do that would put it would have to be an outstanding performance. But this is the type of territory that this team is in at this point.
1: It, I, I, it's, it's an unbelievable team. It's, again, one of the best teams I've maybe ever seen. Um, I agree. I think they have a chance to be historically elite. Um, like, they could not even have 2 e and they could still comfortably win this national title. Um, it actually makes me wonder if Hennis is going to, like, redshirt someone, Coach Hennis. Because there, there is room for that if she needs to. If Samantha Bush needs a redshirt year, and I don't know if she's already had that, um, then she could probably get away with it. Um, Unless, depending on how you think about a few other names, but, like, the, I, I just don't know how this team, like, I said this with NAU, like, oh, like, maybe there's this kind of scenario. I actually don't know how NC State loses. I really don't. I think they could have, realistically, eight women in our top fifty. I'm not even kidding.
0: I, I mean, I feel like you could field a team like if you split their top ten and a half, you could field two separate teams that would be national contenders. Oh like, yeah. and, and that's ridiculous. It's an embarrassment of riches. And like you said, I I I'd be curious to see if there is any strategy from Coach Hennis in terms of trying to prolong this title window by redshirting someone who ostensibly on paper looks like a necessity to win a title. But then when you look at the rest of their teammates, they really aren't a necessity in the way that you would expect. Um, so yeah, I, I am at loss at figuring out how this team loses. There's some really good teams behind them, but I, I just don't see any other.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, and we'll talk about the contenders behind them, but you can't say anything more um the fact that they lose Hayes and Steelman and Claremont and yet they're still somehow significantly better i mean un- unbelievable shout out to coach hennis i mean we don't i don't i think we always talk about how good the squad is but like what she has done is i mean unbelievable she took over and this is a this is a team that's just i it's one of the best effort teams i've ever seen it's it's unbelievable
0: I mean, what she's done recruiting, the recruiting classes, obviously Tui's class was incredible, but then bringing in just impact transfers and Steelman bringing in Seymour this year. I, I mean, she has built this squad on multiple different levels and it is just, I mean, injury, whatever proof at this point.
1: Well, I mean, the fact that, you know, for me, I'm like, ah, oh, Stolliper, that that might be her career. Nope. In fact, it's just getting started. Like, it, it, Henness preached patience. She's like, she'll be ready. You know, put her in some aggressive fields pretty early on. Even I was like, I don't know. Her first race back in two years. Nope, sub 15:40 national qualifier next. It's like uh, unbelievable what she has done. So, so that's NC State at one. We've talked about NAU men at one. Let's try to evaluate who we think the realistic title contenders behind those uh, teams are let's go back to the men's side ben stop me when you think i have um stop me when you think um i have listed all of the contenders and threats to the northern arizona men okay Mm -hmm. yep oklahoma state stanford stop and that's where i was not going to stop Okay. Colorado.
0: Interesting.
1: So let's let's – we'll touch on Oklahoma State and stay after it in a moment, right?
0: Yeah, let's talk about Colorado.
1: Let's talk about Colorado. I think they're at five in our rankings, and you'll say, well, who's at four? BYU men, who we'll get to in a moment. But we have Colorado at five. The reason I say this is because they have Vansel, they have Kent, they have Sweeney, they have Fraser. Uh, Frazier, thank you. They have Hirsch. They maybe kind of, sort of, possibly might have Harrison. Um, oh, we, really? Yeah, they might. Sean Harrison's still there. Yeah. And that's pro, that's at least that's six names. I could realistically see a scenario where all six of those men are all Americans, and that starts to get interesting if that and now do i think the chance of that happening is very high no which is why we have them at five but if you individually went through and i said could this guy be an all-american could this guy be an all-american could this buy i think you would say yes on most of them
0: yeah and i don't disagree with that actually at all i just think that their top end potential for a lot of those guys isn't very high like I I cannot see a way that this team scores under 100 points, even even if they have five All-Americans. I I don't see how they score under. Them.
1: So you don't think anyone breaks the top 30 in that scenario? You think they're all from 30 to 40, basically? That yeah,
0: I, I mean, but even even if even if they're 20 to 40, like that's you're you're not breaking 100 unless it's a a lot of people in that top.
1: 30. Well, 20 to 40 is closer to like 15 to.
0: yeah i guess that's true in terms of team points yeah i just I, i i i struggle to see them putting that many guys inside the top 35 where that that's a realistic possibility like i i think best case scenario they they have like four or five guys from 25 to like 50 and i think that's that seems fairly realistic on their best day But even on that best day, I I don't think they're going to be able to approach the baseline of uh, an NAU.
1: Yeah, here's the thing. I don't – and I agree with that, right? Like I think best case scenario, they get three or four All-Americans, but I don't know how many of them are cracking the top 25, much less top 30. I could see them crowding anywhere from 30 to 60, and then that's their team. Um, And that would be a really good team. It's a matter of who's going to be in the top 20 and how many guys are you going to have in the top 20? One is fine. Two is where it starts to get interesting. Um, I also like Jace Ashburner. They have a really good recruiting class. I agree with you. I, I think the reason I say Colorado though is because I I think this team has the necessary pieces. Like I I, I don't want to completely count them out. Um, I, I do I do I think they're going to be like top 20, have any top twenty guys? No but I'm not, I'm not like definitively saying they're definitely not going to have them either. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, and it's funny because I mean, the more we talk about it, it's like the inverse of BYU in a lot of ways where BYU, I feel so good about them having those top 20 guys, but then you look throughout the rest of the lineup and you just wonder how many other possible All-Americans there are, whereas Colorado is the exact opposite problem.
1: Yeah, and, and this is just the thing. The... the Chances of that happening are so slim, and that's why they're at five, right? Like, I, I mean, I think BYU will probably – has a good chance of putting all three of their men in front of Colorado's first guy. And if that happens, that's why BYU is at four. So I just want to throw out Colorado because I didn't think I, – I just it's, – it's like a 1% chance it happens, but 1% is still 1%. So I wanted to throw that out there. I'll, I'll. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. So let's circle back to the second and third teams on our list and talk about why they have the best chances at taking down NAU. And we'll we'll start with our number two team, Oklahoma State. They bring back Asai Rodriguez, Alex Meyer, Shea Foster, Victor Shutsama, Rory Leonard, Ryan Shop. They bring back just a complete lineup, a group of guys that have top 10 to top 20 potential at NCAAs they just they have everything you want in a lineup and yet it's hard for me to say definitively that they have the firepower to take down NAU unlike Stanford where I know they at least have that front end firepower but conversely Oklahoma State in a lot of ways like uh, Colorado they have the necessary depth. They have the necessary proven guys who have run well at NCAAs before in that three through five uh, area of their lineup. And that's why I think if you're looking for someone as the best bet to finish second, I think they have to be that. I, I go back and forth on whether or not they're necessarily the best bet to take down NAU between them.
1: So I absolutely think they're the best bet, um, without question, actually. I think Rodriguez and Meyer Mayer, they can both be top 10 guys in fact rodriguez has been and i think it's impossible to be like oh well mayor's not a top. like mayor could easily be a top 10 guy no questions and if he is then like how much better are drew bosley and nico young than that than that duo right and so then you start getting down the line it's like all right well Salmon and kusha well how are they facing off against foster and shisama I mean, those guys are both in the top thirty one of our rankings. But Salman and Kusha are, you know, a little further, not much further back, but a little further back. Hasty's at 41, but like, how do you feel about Shopee? How do you feel about uh Fua right? Like there there's a questions about Oklahoma State's fifth runner. Um and they have like Roy Leonard, really interesting name as well. But but like through four runners, I could argue and see myself being like, ah. I don't really know if it's that much different. It's it's where the fifth runner comes in that makes things different and
0: interesting. And NCAA's is back at Oklahoma State this year, right? Right. Uh, so mm-hmm. they get they get home course advantage again. That worked out well for them during the winter season. Um, I, I I agree. I I think they certainly have that potential. I I am a little nervous, like you said, about that fifth score. But I think they have options, and I I, I you you could see that two or three guys, one of them can fill that role. I, it doesn't matter who for them, they just need to find, one of those guys needs to step up, but you you like that likelihood. When we compare them, let's compare, so you just compare them to NAU, let's compare them to Stanford. So Stanford's top three, I think is the best top three in the country. You have Charles Hicks, Kai Robinson, and Cole Sprout. So advantage Stanford over anybody through three. Then, then you get to four and five. We have, I think, Thomas Boyden and Devin Hart um, in our honorable mention. Um, they bring back uh, Micah Budo Rousseau, um, and they have so many other talented guys on this roster who haven't necessarily put it together at NCAA's on the grass. Is it just the concern that we we don't know where those four and five scores are going to be for Stanford? that's why we you have those question marks compared to a NAU or an Oklahoma State?
1: Um, yes, partially true. Um, we don't know who those guys are going to be, but just because we don't know who they're going to be doesn't mean that they're not going to be good. Like Oklahoma State, there are way too many weapons at the back end of this lineup for them not to find someone who's going to be in that fourth or fifth spot and effectively be there. But if we don't even know who those guys are, then how can we say that they're going to be able to counter what Oklahoma State or NAU has at the back end of their lineup? And then not only that, there's also a few other things. like, And, and I guess yeah, I'm going to leave like the, oh, if one low stick goes down because we saw that with Cole Sprout, right? But you could say that bout with, with any of these teams. So I, I guess the only thing that I'd say this, and this is pretty unfair, but Stanford hasn't been its podium team for the last four national meets. They've killed us every single time. This is a team that should, without question, be on the podium every single year. And they're not. And listen, that's much easier for me to say, like, who the hell is this guy sitting behind a mic acting? like? But at least like four straight years with the teams and the talent that they've had and not being on the podium, it scares me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. And, and that's what concerns me um, about this team. In fact, I, I don't know if it's four straight years let me let me double check my math on that but it's it's a string of non-podium finishes that are admittedly a little concerning
0: Uh, yeah whether or not they're off the podium or not it's definitely been a string of years where they finished lower than we expected um going into the national meet we would have expected them to finish higher And, and i i we credit a lot of programs for their past success at ncaa's and i think it's only fair that you you at least look with a little bit of skepticism on teams that haven't put it together and run their ranking uh, at NCAAs. And Stanford's certainly one of those teams. It's just the allure of that talent is so strong. and But I think you do bring up a, a good point. Stanford's top three, like anybody's top three, has to be really good. But like they, the the margin of error for that top three is so small. If that, if that top three isn't all within the top 20, then this isn't a team that's winning the an NCAA title. They all no. have to, they all have to be at least in the top 20. Like they, they can't, it's not NAU where if their top three are within the top 30, they can survive. That is not a possible game plan for Stanford. And that puts a lot more pressure on those top three guys in a way that you don't have for an Oklahoma state or, uh, NAU.
1: who are your candidates to fill out the last two spots of that Stanford lineup?
0: I think Thomas Boyden has to be mm-hmm. number one on that yep. list. um, <sighs> I think Borden's
1: because, also on, on my list as well.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, what he did on the track at the end of the spring season, I, I think, was very compelling. Um, I mean, I think Devin Hart's probably the easy answer there. But let me let me take a a, a further glance. Who do, who else do you have?
1: So I think Borden's the clear four. Um, if he pops, Stanford can legitimately win the national title. Um, my fifth is going to be uh, Zane Bergen, Bergen. I don't know how you say his name, the rookie, or Gavin Sherry. One of those two rookies, they are, oh my God, good. They are so impressive. And Stanford has had not just good success, they've had phenomenal success with young guys. And even if, like, they also have, like, if, if we say that Boyden and then either, like, Sherry or Bergen are the four or five spots... They've still got Devin Hart at the sixth spot or Evan Burke, a 1337 five-care runner at the sixth spot. Robert DiDonato who ran 1350 as a freshman or Michael Rudo So right. Um, Or, or Nolan Topper, like those guys have run sub 2950 or something in the 10,000 meters. Like there's a lot of, not just like nice support pieces, but like high potential impact scores. It's just a matter of who's going to be in that top 50, 60 portion to support. The front end of Stanford's lineup.
0: Yeah, I mean, Hart was 80th at NCAA's last year. Boyden Rousseau was 94th. Like these are guys that are very capable, and I I think they can go out and give you you know you know exactly where you're going to get out of them. And I think that's why the allure of the young guys coming in they can just shoot for them. Like you know you have that backstop if you're having Hart and Boyden and Rousseau as you like six seven guys. Uh, and you can just say, hey, freshman, just go out there and go for it. Go for that All-American finish. We know that we got someone who's going to be in the top 100 if you fall out to replace you. I I think that's the avenue where Stanford can get really aggressive and make a strong push and actually give themselves a chance of having enough All-Americans to compete with the top two teams.
1: So right now, who's the biggest threat to NAU? See, I, I, I can't quit Stanford. I, I can't. I can tell. I know. It, it, it's, it, it's like an addiction. Ever is. since 2019.
0: It's bad. I, I think I need one more disappointing year and then I'll be off. But I, I, they have my heart for one more year. It's basically like the Sixers. Oh, it's, it's, like, yeah, well, it's very but, similar.
1: But this is the year, guys. This is the year where it all works, guys. I promise. So I'm I'm going Oklahoma State. Uh, They're the safer pick.
0: Oh, way safer, 100%. I would never bet on the Sixers equivalent um, in any scenario. So I I completely agree with that. All right, let's move on to the women's team. Do we want to do the same exercise on the women's side as we did with the men?
1: Sure. Do you want to list them? Sure.
0: Uh, All right.
1: Let, Let me pull it up real quick just to make sure I have everything in line here
0: um okay all right so tell me stop when i have reached the last ncaa title contender okay new mexico oklahoma state stop i think that's the list that's the list new mexico are so freaking good like in any other year this is I think not only the number one team but like a fairly runaway number one team for us they have two women in, within our top 10 of the individual rankings and emma Heckel and graceland larkin um, you have Amelia mazza downey right behind them you have elise thorner you just have so many names so many people who are capable of top 50 finishes and yet they when you compare them side to side to nc nc state they just don't match up which is just incredible but if the best version of this team goes out and runs as well as they possibly can i think they're at least going to give nc state a nudge like make them feel feel them feel them a little bit i still don't know if that means that they win but if there's any team that I feel confident that can at least go toe-to-toe for a little bit with the Wolfpack, it is the New Mexico one. I agree. Um,
1: there's a lot of questions, though. There are so many questions. Um, Heckle and Larkin, I think, are pretty safe bets. Like We, we kind of know what we're getting with them. They're going to be top 20 runners at the national meet, or at least close to it. Like They should be fine. It's the Amelia Mazadowni it's Thorner, it's Deshawn, it's Upshaw, right? Women who were really good. Um, well, they, they were, they were solid. They were excellent. They're strong, um, in the cross country season, but they didn't really pop until the track, like indoor outdoor level, numerous women under fifteen forty five, some in the fifteen thirties. numerous women in the low 33 minute range, a uh, couple of women, all Americans. I mean, it, it you have you are banking on a lot of things happening for those women to step up and hit this elite level. You know, Thorner was great in the steeplechase. but if Thorner and Mazadowney and Deshawn and Upshaw, and well, here's yeah, I, the, the thing about Goldstein. Is that I think we we know what we're getting out of Goldstein. I, I that's I think she's like a she's going to be somewhere in that scoring five. I don't know where, but she, she'll be in there. It's all about how that track uh, success translates to the grass. If it all comes over fully and then they build on it, NC State can't just lean back and just say we're going to take this title. Like things then get really interesting because we still haven't seen how Starloper will do for NC State on the grass. We haven't seen how Seymour to some extent. Like she hasn't really broke it out until this past spring, um, so we had to see how that translates. Um, you know, there's there's questions about Savannah Shaw, how her track success will translate. So it's it's not like NC State isn't without questions of their own, but there are just far more questions about New Mexico. Um, do I like them? Yes. Do I see them struggling? No. But I just don't know which women, much like Stanford, are going to be the ones who step up.
0: Yeah, I, I think the track success is obviously so eye-catching. I mean, we saw it all last spring we were talking about and last winter you go to the national meet and there's a bunch of new mexico women they aren't necessarily they weren't necessarily pushing for titles but they were all in all american range and if they can continue to build on that like you said on the grass then this is going to even they don't even necessarily need to build if they can just run the equivalent on the grass as their track performances showed this is going to be a scary team with Many all Here's a fun fact.
1: We ranked Utah State and Colorado State in our rankings this summer. The women. New Mexico earned a perfect sweep at the Mountain West Championships last fall. Not a sweep, a perfect sweep. A one, two, three, four, five, six, seven sweep. That's how good this team is. They, and they're they
0: better sweep. this year.
1: And they're better. They they lose Cohen. They lose. Um, oh my gosh, I'm completely. Oh, uh, I, I'm blanking. There's like one or two other names. Yeah, and yet they're better, which yeah. is crazy.
0: I, I I really like. I said I think in a lot of years this is a team that that wins it all. Did they? Is it Modin uh, Angus, that they lost? Is yes,
1: and then oh, it's Stephanie Parsons. That's who that's it was. It.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so yeah, I mean they. Certainly have some talent walking out the door, but it's still chock full of potential. All right, let's go to the other team that we thought had a chance at squeaking by and maybe winning a title, and that's the Oklahoma State women. Why, in your mind, do the Cowgirls have a chance, even if it's a small one, of winning the NCAA title this year?
1: Um, I just want to go on record and say that this is, without question, and by far my favorite team that we'd ranked at all this
0: this year um
1: i love this team i think taylor rowe is so freaking good i i think um
0: i i uh, would like to stake a claim on like number one fan of taylor rowe as well because i feel yeah. like i've been on the bandwagon since yeah, the actually, i i have been a huge fan of what rose done and i like nothing that she does over the next year will surprise me i think she can do yeah. absolutely she,
1: she is. So good. And it's a shame that she's in the two era. Cause yes. if she wasn't, she'd be getting more credit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um you know, Roe is phenomenal. I think Natalie Cook, this is a really hot take. Oh boy, here it goes. I, I think she she could be better than Tui when it's all said and done.
0: Ooh. That's some spice. I,
1: I I think she's gonna be not just good, I think she's gonna be like elite and then historically elite. Um I think she's gonna be that good. I think you have two women there who could be top 10 runners, um, Molly Bourne and Gabby Hetman. Those are the two women. Like they have shown that they probably can be All-Americans, Bourne has. Um, they can probably be All-Americans. So it's just a matter of like where in that All-American mix they finish. And then they also return Taylor Somers, by the way, who was a top 20 All-American in 2019. She does return. We don't mention her in the article largely because of like she just has been absent for so long, but she did run. And they bring in one of the greatest recruiting classes of the year, including a Kenyan who has run four eleven for 1,500 meters. Uh, Listen, if you just want to go one by one by one in terms of the top five scores compared to NC State, there are a lot more questions for Oklahoma State than NC State. But look, if everything breaks perfectly for Oklahoma State, things get interesting. And I really like this team
0: yeah i forgot about summers and she could be such an x factor i mean she she obviously has the talent what when you're talking about so behind Roe and cook possibly and we're talking about born and hentman, who who are you more confident in out of those those two runners of of being that number three or possibly number two runner for this team
1: so border or hentman yeah Ah, uh, um, that's a great question. Who am I more confident in? Um, well, that depends. Who am I, who am I more confident in to be more reliable, or who do I think is going to be the higher finishing All American?
0: Um, the former, the more reliable. I'd say Molly Bourne. Oh,
1: interesting. Uh, she's done it before she's been a top 20 all-american um she had like a little bit of a hiccup but like winter cross country was not bad and last fall it was actually really good like i know she wasn't like an all-american but top 80 at the national meet isn't bad either like at least i know that she's done it and at least i know that i'm probably gonna get a similar season out of her whether or not she you know is a top 40 30 20 all-american this year that can be debated but Hentman, I'm I'm banking a lot on her track success in the 10k in a season where she didn't PR substantially. I should add until the national meet, which you know, doesn't take away from how well she ran. But I, I think I trust Molly Bourne a little bit more.
0: I, I think I'm a little bit. Uh, I think I'm with Hentman, but I do believe that Bourne has the higher end potential. Like if you're talking about someone who could be top 20, I think Bourne it, it has a little bit more there than hentman hentman i i just think it's going to be an all-American and i don't i'm not really that concerned about her
1: i completely disagree i think it's gonna be the complete opposite way around
0: i was Bore wondering if I you know would disagree on this
1: with bourne i know what i'm getting with hentman she's like she's not young anymore she's clearly no. like an experienced runner but she's she's just now beginning to realize her peak and her potential and i think that could get scary for other opponents in terms of her momentum So I think, I think Henneman's kind of like a little bit more upside, but at least with Bourne, I know I'm getting someone who's borderline an All-American borderline.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, I mean, whether or not we agree on those two names, the point that I think we're both trying to get to is that the through four, this is an absolutely scary team, especially if Cook is as good as we believe she can be. And if they can add someone like Summers back at her top level, then this is this is a team that, I mean, realistically could have five in the top third. Like, I, on their best day, that could be the case with two in the top ten. Like, and again, I, we think NC State will probably do that on their average day. So it, it, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that even on their best day, Oklahoma State can win. But they're they have a chance at least giving themselves a shot.
1: Yeah, I don't know who that fifth runner would be for Oklahoma State. I, I think it would be, um, and I want to actually say her name and, and put it out there so that I've actually uh, put names on paper here, but it's the um, their, their overseas name, uh, Jip uh, Jip Curie, uh from, from Kenya, 4'11 for 1,500 meters. Uh, Bila Jip Curie, that's who it is. If she delivers, then, yeah, she could be an All-American. I'm not ready to say that she'll be top 30. I'm scared to even say top 40. I think she could be top 50, though.
0: Yeah, I mean nine twenty-five in the three K. Two, I mean, I, I, I think she certainly has a chance. Um, how quickly she can integrate with this team, I think, is probably the biggest question mark there.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. So, I like Oklahoma State. I think they're, the, I think they're the Stanford of the women's version.
0: Yes, I, I, I think that's a good comparison. Um, all right, so let's switch back to the men's side. Let's talk about the podium contenders. Um, so we, we kind of touched on BYU and Colorado. We can dig into those teams a little bit more. But the last team on our list here is the Tulsa men um, who come in at number six in our rankings. They bring back Cormac Dalton, Michael Power, Isaac Akers, uh, and, and a load of other solid names. But those three are certainly uh, quite the potent top trio. What what do you see that Tulsa needs to do to be able to climb from number six and land on the podium this year?
1: Well, just real quick, I do want to make sure that we eventually talk on BYU because I think BYU is is right on there. That'll be interesting. We've kind of already made our case about Colorado and what, what they need to do. But Tulsa, interesting team. Um, we have three men of theirs listed in the, listed in the top 40 no one listed in top 30 Mm -hmm. um you are probably the biggest michael power fan outside of his family yeah um i i think i think you you should get like a tulsa shirt or something like that um and just write like power on the back of it
0: yeah tulsa Uh, if anybody from tulsa is listening dm me i can send you my address i will wear that tulsa power shirt (laughs) very proudly um
1: I, I love their top three. Top three is great. There's no questions about it. I think we could We could even argue that we underrated that trio um, out of maybe like a top 30 spot. The problem is that I don't know who their fourth or fifth runner is going to be. Um, Shane McVoy is probably better than he was last fall. He's actually sneaky good. Um, he's probably like a solid number four, but the five is we have no idea how they're going to run. Um, I recently saw like one of their Rust Busters for some of their like non-varsity guys, I don't really know who out of that group would fit into the five spot. There's some other guys, I should say. There are other guys on this team who will be good, but um, yeah. I, 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 the fifth spot's where it gets, it's interesting. If they figure out a decent forward and then just a good enough five, they could probably be on the podium, but I don't know what that lineup structure looks like.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is a team that I I don't know, everybody we've talked about, and I guess this isn't uh, a hugely surprising statement considering they're at six. They just don't have the same kind of ceiling as a lot of these other teams. Like they like we said, we ha they have a good top trio, but this isn't a top trio that is expected to be top fifteen, top twenty at the NCAA. They're they're just expected to be very solid all Americans, which is great to have. But if you're not having a, a strong back end behind that, it, it's, it's hard for you to really improve much. In a lot of ways, they're just a better version of Alabama with a little bit of a better back end that we, than we would expect from the Alabama men. But I, I think that really limits their top end ceiling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's actually a really good point. And that's why we have them ranked so high. I also trust Tulsa though. Like, you know, they've had roster casualty after roster casualty, just in terms of like eligibility departure nothing, you know, like an injury or anything like that, but they're always there. And, you know, I trust Steve Goley uh, or coach Goley. I don't know if that's his name, but coach Goley uh, at, at Tulsa, I, tr- I trust him and I trust the development. He's like the He's the overseas whisperer. I don't know how else to put it, but like all of these guys from Europe and from the UK, and um, you know, like everyone is always so good. If not immediately, then eventually. And he's got some young guys. Like I said, I like McA- uh, McAvoy. There's still some other guys in development. I think they can find a good enough five. It's just a matter of how good that five actually is.
0: And it, and it should be noted that Tulsa has gone into many national meets where we knew exactly what their top five was going to be. They knew what their top five was going to be. They couldn't afford really any slippage from any with anybody in that top five. And they would all go out and none of them would have a bad. Maybe about that. So, but like they, they, they would keep it together like pretty well. And you're not seeing a ton of people explode in them just, get ballooned backwards by a few different people there. They generally go in and their top guys perform pretty well.
1: Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this, they have always had a lineup that's been, at least in the last few seasons, that's been good enough to get on the podium, but there's always like their margin of error has been zero, absolute zero. And they've had moments where guys have faltered back in those results. And that fifth man will really get them. But they're still a top ten team, even with that casualty on the five. It's just a matter of can they be the podium team? And this year, it's like that margin of error is not just zero; it's negative right now. And they have to figure out a way to close that gap by the time November rolls around. I think they close the gap, but I still don't know if their margin of error will be any more than you know a few percentage points. And, and that's what um, is really going to be the make or break thing here for Tulsa. Can you fix the back end? I. I wouldn't put it past them. I trust I trust their ability to develop back-end runners um, maybe more than, like, well, any other team, actually. Like, any other team that's, like, not
0: in our top seven. So, we'll see. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Let's talk about another team that needs to develop that back-end a little bit, and that is our number four team, which is BYU. They bring back Casey Klinger. Bring in Christian Allen, um, and they also have returning Brandon Garnica. Um, and then that back end behind those guys has a lot of question marks. It has a lot of talent. You have guys like Lucas Bonds, Garrett Marsing, Agent Troutner. That all certainly could be good scores for this team. They've shown great potential on the trout. Troutner had a had a sneaky solid season regular season last year before not not necessarily having a greatest NCAA meet. BYU just needs to find some decent fourth and fifth spot runners for those spots to supplement, which is what is turning into be a very, very potent topic.
1: Well, I, I think the, the real catch here is like, I, I think we're, we feel very good about Klinger. We feel very good about Allen. We don't have a reason. Uh, let me rephrase this. I don't think we have, I think we have a good reason to be a little cautious about Brandon Garnica but it's very clear that he has the potential to be a top 40 All-American. He's in our top 40 rankings. It's a fair assessment. He can be, and really even should be, an All-American. Let's set those three aside. If Kenneth Rooks, the A-22 steeplechaser, if he delivers on that potential we saw on the grass, then things get interesting. Joey Noakes sub 29 I think he was like 2830s actually for 10K he translates that. Now we have something. That's a core five there. That could be like, there's some scoring potency there. I don't think it'd be enough to to beat like NAU. But if like Stanford has a guy that has a, has like one off day, BYU gets in there. Um, Now granted again, like you're banking a lot heavily on rooks on nooks, guys who aren't really all super proven on the grass. Um, Troutner is good on the grass. Bonds is good on the grass, right? Like Thompson's like decent on the grass. They've got guys who are okay. Isaac Teeples, the recruit, is phenomenal. But there's still questions about the back end, which is a rare thing with BYU.
0: But I think the thing BYU has going for them, like you said, they have so many names. They have the options. they, They have the options. They just desperately need at least one of those guys to pop. Like, even if it's they can't get both two guys to pop, if they can just at least get that fourth score to be solidly in that top 60, 70 range, and then that I I trust that they're going to find somebody to be in the top 100 at that fifth spot, then that's a team that certainly should lock down. Uh,
1: I completely agree. Absolutely. If they just need one of those two guys, they need Noakes, Rooks, or maybe they have a Miracle other name who steps in. Um, But if that happens, and I I think you and I both think that it is more likely to happen than not, then they're on the podium and they're actually like they're they're the clear cutoff number four. So I I agree.
0: All right. Anything else on the men before we transition to the women? Let's go to the women. All right. So we talked about our top three teams on the women's side Um, at four, five, six in our podium contenders. We have the Colorado women the BYU women and the Alabama women. Who of that mix do you want to start with?
1: Um let's let's actually do BYU and Colorado together. Okay. Because I I think they're actually kind of similar.
0: Why why do you say that?
1: They both lose like tons of upfront firepower. BYU loses camp, they lose men, they lose uh Orton, that's a lot of up from firepower. Colorado loses Nichols, MacArthur, uh De Janeiro, um uh Borman, thank you. Maybe possibly sort of kinda Indian Johnson. We, we Indian Johnson, we don't know. Um, but that's that's kind of up in the air. But yet they then bring in a key transfer, bring in, you know, some some outside names, right? have a great history, like a sneak good back end, returning a few low sticks. Like, BYU Aubrey, Aubrey Frenthaway is like the equivalent of, it is like a Emily Covert light on the Colorado side. Bailey Hurtenstein, um, you know, Lynn, I like, Lindsay Stallworth, you know, Lindsay Stallworth is kind of like the Bailey Hurtenstein light there. She was an All-American at Eastern Tennessee State. Lexi Halliday and Anna Martin are good young back end pieces. Um, you know, you've got Kaitlin uh, Barnhill, you've got uh, Hannah U t you know, other women who are strong on the back end. Ellen Barron steps in. Like you can start going down the list of names, and it's like you can find a lot of equivalents. I think Colorado is better in a lot of those spots, but I think they're very similar in that sense.
0: I, I agree. And you're talking about two teams that have just institutional knowledge, great coaching staff, they've been super strong. Uh, at NCAAs over the past few years and it just wouldn't be an NCAA championship without either of these teams on the podium. Um and like you said, they, they're gonna be relying on a lot of fresh faces, uh, whether new transfers or just women who haven't contributed a whole lot to podium contender teams in the past. Um, but they still do have a few experienced front runners on either side that should at least give them a solid baseline. With that said, though, out of those two teams, who, who do you see at having the highest ceiling, the most potential, who, if one of those top, tree, top three teams slips up a little bit, could slide into that number three spot? Uh,
1: um, I think the safer pick is Colorado. I think if you want to get really fun and different, it's BYU. Um, Hutchins could pop off. Halliday could pop off. Frontway could cut her team score in half from last year. Um, Musselman is due for an all-American finish after being like a top 50 runner twice. Um, Stallworth was previously an all-American. Like you, you start breaking this down and BYU's upside is greater, but that's also because Colorado though, is already so high up there to begin with. Like, Covert's already one of the 10 best names in the country. Hernstein's already one of the 20 best names in the country. Um Haneminiuti, we think, is going to be pretty good. Um Baron was already one of the top D3 distance runners already. There's questions though as to like what these lamps are going to look like in terms of their order, their scoring potency, their structure. That's what makes it unsure, but like there's just too much talent for these teams to not thrive. I just think in terms of upside, BYU has a little bit more, but don't mistake upside for being better because Colorado one-to-one is still the better team
0: yeah and I think what I'm hearing you say is like we've we've seen we see BYU with this potential because they've shown flashes each of these individual runners but what we've seen out of Colorado is potential being fulfilled Um, and there might not be as much potential still left for these women but they've they've already gotten a lot further in their potential than a lot of these BYU women necessarily have. Um, And and I think that's the perfect way of putting it because I I think, and I've said this about a lot of other teams, if you put BYU runners and you could promise me that they're all going to have their best day, like this is a team that I think absolutely could be in the top three because they've each individually shown the ability to be all Americans. But that's just such a risky gambit. You need everyone to run really, really well to get to that ceiling. And it's just the likelihood of that is so, so small.
1: Yeah. Um, But but I still like their upside. Like I still think there's far more like upside in terms of like what they can do nationally in terms of competitiveness than downside. Like I don't know how BYU or Colorado have poor seasons. Like I don't know how they fall outside of the
0: top seven eight like i I don't know how either team falls outside of that range i mean at this point it's hard for me to see them ever like either of those teams in the next five years just based off what they've done i i mean the coaching staff is so strong they bring in great recruits they develop people so well that even some of the names that we haven't mentioned might end up being big parts of these teams just because these teams develop women so so well so i i like it like you've been saying i think they're both very safe bets to be in and around this podium conversation throughout the entire
1: year i I agree um but i will say i don't think anyone had either of those teams has the ability to threaten new mexico or oklahoma state more than alabama does I, i if oklahoma state isn't my number one than Alabama is. Um, this team is incredible. Like we, like Mercy Chilanga is back. She could, she's going to give you one or two points. Flomina Azakal is probably a top twenty runner in the country. Amaris tenisma has been as high as third at the previous national meet. Even if she's not third this year, she could be top 20, 30 Like that's still very realistic for her. And then they fix their back end. They bring in Hilda Hilda Chibet and Jasmine Baker bet from the JUCO level, she's run 16.07, multi-time JUCO champion, like countless times, actually. And then uh, Baker has run 9.55. Not only that, they bring in Crawford West and Samantha McDonald, who are two of like the best distance recruits at the country last year, McDonald especially. McDonald was phenomenal. And then Jamie Reed has also run 4.38. They bring in the fourth-place finisher from the Mid-American Conference Championships in uh, El- uh, Elka-Macron. I'm sorry if I'm butchering that name. The back end of this lineup has significantly improved. I I mean, they're going to be so, so dangerous. I mean, if Tibet turns into the All-American that historically Alabama has been able to to produce, I, I mean, we're talking podium and not just like back end fourth place. I'm talking second or third place.
0: Yeah, I think Tanisima is the X factor for that because, I I mean, we've seen the highs and lows of her. And she finished uh, the last spring season on a pretty good high note. She definitely, uh, it seemed like, got healthier, stronger as the season went on um, and showed those same flashes of talent that got her the third place finish at the Winter Cross Country Championships. And, And the thing is, with the depth that they have now, we don't even need her to like Alabama doesn't even need her to be that top three kind of contender or even like a top 10 contender. If she is just an all American, this team has so much more potency because they, that gives them almost a guaranteed third um, all American option. And then they have like, you just laid out so many names so much more depth than they've ever had and they just need a few of those women to come through, and with the talent and the numbers that they have, you gotta feel like that's a safe bet. That even if those last two spots aren't all Americans, they're not gonna be that that far.
1: Yeah, I, I think you need to be top one twenty, like bare minimum one ten. Like I, I don't know if that's a, like an unrealistic. No, I I think it's it's extremely like, realistic for the like, two two of those women. It has to be. And they'll have four women contending for those last two spots. I I don't see a scenario where that doesn't happen. And if that happens, like Alabama is already significantly better than last year. And let's not forget, yes, they lose Katahi, but they bring back Ameris Tenisima. And last year's team without Tenisima and with Katahi was, what, 15th, 16th in the country? I forget, but I mean, they were right in the smack dab in the middle of things. So I don't know how this team is even close to anywhere worse. I don't know how this team isn't a top 10 team. Now it's a matter of, can you get on the podium?
0: Yeah. I mean, they were 15th last year. I, I like it. Like we were saying, if tenisima is there, they, they, they just need so little out of those, those last few names. They just need them to be solid and live up to the track times that they've shown. And they're going to be just fun.
1: So you remember how we were having that conversation about, um, uh NFL training camp and how everyone likes to get really riled up about like yeah um this I had this moment where I saw like I'm on I'm on Instagram and I think Alabama posted something and it's a picture of Ilya Kipsang running and then right next to him is a Maris and I'm like they're back she's back she's good to go <laughs> like she's right. like it was the whole NFL training camp thing over again where like you see one thing and just take it way out of proportion they could have been on their cool down jog i have no idea but for me i'm like amaris tenison was going to be like a sub 350 miler so um (laughs) yeah so that just Uh, want to throw that out there
0: yeah just just had to throw in the sub 350 as well um i that what a what a seminal thing to just (laughs) mark our first podcast back after our hiatus um but yeah, I I am very interested to see what we we get from these new Alabama runners because a deep Alabama team is something that we haven't been able to see in the last few years, and I'm curious to to see how that ends up playing out, um, and how far up that can really push the Crimson Tide this year.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm excited for Alabama they're probably like in, they're in that Oklahoma state territory of like teams that I'm super excited about. Cause you don't really see Alabama in this range. Like you just don't. So for them to kind of be there is, is pretty cool. Um, so shout out Alabama. All right.
0: Anything else and on any of these women?
1: No, nothing on the women's side, nothing on the men's side, but content is out. We've got transfer market stuff. The D one stuff's already posted. We got D two and D three rankings being posted. We're recording this on uh, Monday, September 5th. Um, so we, uh, we've we got uh, Just missed and Honorable Mention D2 and D3 uh, teams out. Uh, but yeah, man, it's we've got a ton of stuff going on on the site. Go check it out.
0: Absolutely. Take a look at everything on the site. This episode, as we mentioned at the top, brought to you by Biosteel and produced by Wyatt Barnsley. Garrett, until next week, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you.